You want to watch the movie? What's good, Craners? It is me, Aiden Mang, and I am back, and today, I am walking on eggshells. Why do I say that? I say that because the movie I'm looking at today is not inherently political, nor will I be inherently political by doing this episode, but the discussion around the film is very, very political. This movie is Hillbilly Elegy. Hillbilly Elegy is a recent Netflix movie. Uh, it stars Amy Adams, Glenn Close, and that's about all I can really tell you about so far, outside of the fact that it takes place in the Appala- in the Appalachian region of uh, Pennsylvania of the United States. And that's all I can tell you about so far because I've not yet seen the movie. I'm filming this part of the episode before I go ahead and watch it because I am immersing myself in the background of the movie before I do before I go ahead and watch it. I'm giving you guys kind of that background as well. So, this movie is about J.D. Vance. He's a venture capitalist, and it's based on his. It's based on a memoir that was based on his own life. Uh, he's, uh, like I said, he's a venture capitalist, very rich, rich man. Uh, at one point, considered a potential Senate bid as a Republican. And he wrote this memoir back in, I believe, 2017. It became a bestseller and quickly became adopted by uh, Trump, particularly Trump voters, as kind of a kind of a uh, relic that gave a look into this forgotten part of America that Trump had kind of resonated with during the 2016 election. So. That is kind of where, that is the background. And whenever people have an emotional attachment to the subject of a movie, that's when it starts to get difficult to be objective. And I'm going to kind of show you something here to give you an idea. On Rotten Tomatoes, the critics have it rated at a, have Hillbilly Elegy rated at a 27%. That means 27% of critics thought this movie was good, essentially. 86% of audience, so that's non-critic, just people that use the website, thought that the movie was good. It's quite a giant disparity. Sometimes this happens in movies. Sometimes it happens the other way around. Sometimes things get review bombed. Typically, uh, far right-wing groups like to review bomb random movies and TV shows about minority characters. It's a very lame practice that they do. I remember Black Panther got review bombed a bit. Uh, the Star Wars movies have been, the newer Star Wars movies have been review bombed recently because of the, uh, what they, what the far right believes was forced diversity in the cast, uh, and things like that. So this time the audience score is much higher than the critic score. And I kind of want to go through some of these reviews and show you what a lot of them look like. Okay. So these are the a few positive critic reviews that I found. A tolerable film. Martha K. Baker. A fine, well-directed film with, to- with a top-shelf cast and strong performances in the service of a straightforward story. Jim Schember. Here's a rare example of a Netflix prestige film that neither runs too long 
nor overstays its welcome. James Berardinelli, should have known how to pronounce that name before I did this. Here are some of the negative critic reviews. Hillbilly Elegy is objectively terrible. Alana Anton. Howard thinks he's making an inspirational tale. He doesn't realize it's an American horror story. Darren Franich. One's brain aches, pondering why anyone thought this would be a good idea. Donald Clark. Now, here's some of the negative audience reviews as well. So this is the negative. I'm not going back to the positives yet. The most awful movie ever. Dan L. Had been so looking forward to this. It felt rushed and yet still dragged on and on. Andy F. Narratively, this film is a train wreck and would benefit from a linear structure. However, Glenn Close is, suber- is superb. Reese an offensive, melodramatic look into Appalachian culture by people who clearly don't understand Appalachian culture. Anonymous. Okay, so what I'm kind of getting out of the negative reviews here is that it seems to be a maybe well-intentioned but an offensive look into Appalachian culture. That's kind of a theme that's going on here. It's not good quality, uh, very low quality, in fact, and the uh, and the critics that like it seem to very much like the casting and find the film to be pretty good. Here are the positive audience reviews. This was a good movie. Don't let the critics deceive you or those who dislike Vance's pro-Trump whataboutism discourage you. Josh N. Great depiction of what life is like for a demographic that is largely ignored by mainstream society. Love Ron Howard's work. Kelly S. I knew when I heard the communists wanted to cancel this film, it must be good. Boy was I right. I highly recommend this view into a common story that has a not-so-common result. Charles L. This one, I, this next one I took off of Twitter. Um, not Rotten Tomatoes. This is the only one I took, didn't take off Rotten Tomatoes. I've seen Hillbilly Elegy. Amy Adams and Glenn Close are both terrific. The movie is a well-told family drama. The reason the critics are crapping all over it is simple. The book was treated as humanizing Trump supporters and is now a bad book, trademark. So the movie is also bad, trademark. Ben Shapiro. Yes, the Ben Shapiro. (laughs) Gabriel Basso gives a masterful performance along with the rest of the cast, an incredibly moving film, Spencer D. So, um, a lot of the positive reviews that I saw saw on Rotten Tomatoes seem to have kind of a political edge to them, where it was one of those, like, this is the movie the left doesn't want you to watch type of things, and this is is the movie that Hollywood doesn't want you to see. Kind of reminds me of um, movie Gotti, probably one I'll watch and talk about later on here. Uh, they tried to use that in their advertising and had a legitimate 0% on Rotten Tomatoes. And they said the critics put the hit out on Gotti because it was a gangster movie and they don't want you to see it for whatever reason. It's an awful movie, apparently. Um, I don't know quite what to gather from all this yet. It seems that something that people hold very close to them are their political beliefs. I can tell you that's definitely true. Just going on Twitter, you can find that by looking at any 
single explore page tweet and seeing how people react to that. Um, so it's hard to be objective, I guess, when you take this movie, something that never explicitly mentions Donald Trump either, because this takes place before his presidency even happened or even before he was campaigning. Uh, but the Trump crowd has already kind of brought it close to their chest and has hailed it uh, as this great work of art. So emotions become tied to it already before you even watch a movie. Thus, it seems that it hurts objectivity. And then when you see the critics really don't like it, that makes you dig your feet kind of into the sand even further. This is my theory. I have not yet watched the movie, as I said. That part is coming up next. I'm going to, in a minute, I'm going to stop my recording in a minute, and I'm going to watch the movie, and I'm going to come back later, and I will talk about it. The part of this that really makes me the most nervous, that makes me think that I won't enjoy this, is that Ben Shapiro likes it. And you can have whatever opinion you want on Ben Shapiro's political beliefs, but Ben Shapiro's takes on movies and pop culture are consistently terrible. <laughs> I remember he had a, he did this whole video once for Prager Hugh once about how basically the left showing, or Hollywood, showing any type of controversial uh, storylines, maybe things about gay marriage, abortion, etc., etc., was them actively trying to change the minds of their audience and brainwash you into agreeing with them. Art doesn't have... You do not have to agree with art. That is not a uh, preconception of watching or a prerequisite of watching art. You do not have to agree with whatever you're about to watch. Art is just to give a message and kind of let people react however they want uh he also says that the rise of skywalker is the best of the three later uh star wars movies the late the latest trilogy which i can tell you is an objectively bad opinion and not one i've heard from many people star wars fan or not the rise of skywalker is pretty accepted to be the weakest of those three movies um unless there are some people that say uh, Last Jedi's worse. I think Last Jedi is much stronger, especially on filmmaking aspect, is much much stronger. So I'm about to watch this movie. I'm gonna go in with an open mind. I don't have any pre. I don't want to go in with this preconceived notion of that I'm gonna love it or hate it. Like I said, the Ben Shapiro thing makes me nervous. We'll see. Ben, maybe you're right about this one. I don't know. I'm going to try and figure out, did the critics put the hit out on Hillbilly Elegy? Like, they put the hit out on Gotti? And this is some sort of amazing work of art about the Appalachian and life there? Or is this a very bad melodramatic mess? I'm going to check in again in a little bit, and I'll let you all know. Oh, by the way, me checking in again before I actually watch the movie... Uh, playback me reading the Ben Shapiro uh, review in 1.2 speed, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to sound like Ben Shapiro. I, whenever I listen back to any podcast I'm on, half or ha- half and half, or this, when I, I always listen at 1.2 speed because that's just how I listen to all podcasts, that uh, I usually sound like Ben Shapiro. So just let me know if I let me know if that is like pretty spot on or not. Going to go watch the movie. I'll be back. Okay, so I'm back a month later. (laughs) 
You might be wondering, Aiden, why did it take you so long to finish this episode? Well, it's because this movie really didn't give me much to talk about, to be honest. When I initially finished this, I took a couple days and I kind of thought about everything that everything that I just watched in Hillbilly Elegy. And I really, I recorded the second half of this episode and it really, I wasn't happy with it because I kind of was just talking about how I found the film boring and dry and I, I just felt like I just felt like I could have done more with it. So I shelved it for the time being. And now I'm back to it on, let me see, January 29th, currently, uh, 12.41 a.m. And why did I just suddenly, in the middle of the night, decide to come back to this? Well, something did happen in the news a few weeks ago that (laughs) made me kind of change the direction of this episode that made me realize that I could kind of relate this to something. And I will say this. My thesis right now, Hillbilly Elegy was a microchasm and a warning of the Capitol insurrection. (laughs) Um, What I mean by that, over the past few months and over the, I guess, ever since November, there has been story after story that has been run claiming that this election was stolen, claiming that there's this giant large conspiracy, a deep state, uh, bad money involved from foreign countries, online vote switching, so many other ludicrous theories that do not have any basis in fact and are mostly just QAnon uh, things that just get brought into conservative media. Um, and people that did not want to believe the fact that Donald Trump, who had lost the election against Joe Biden, people who did not want to believe this, latched on to these narratives because it gave them a sort like a sense of hope that the results would change or made them feel heard, made them feel like they and 75 other million Americans, or however many it wound up, were somehow the winners of an election instead of the losers. Um, Because no one likes to be on the losing side. These people really just coped harder and worse than any other uh, election law, than any other group has with with the loss of an election that I have seen in my lifetime. However, I also have not been alive that long. Um, So... I talked about in the first part of this episode how Hillbilly Elegy, uh, the reviews were very polarized politically. Uh, It seemed that the politics of the positive reviews were very much uh, apparent. Most of them were people that were saying that this was a movie the left didn't want you to see, that the communists didn't want you to see, etc., etc. And because this narrative was created by conservative media, these people went in with an expectation to be a fan of this movie. They went in wanting to like this movie and they went in to convince themselves to like this movie. Now I'm not saying that there aren't people that legitimately didn't like this movie. I mean, heck it still has like 20 some percent for the critics on Rotten Tomatoes. You know, that means 20 some percent of people liked it or 20 some percent of the critics liked it. At least I'm not going to say that everyone had a political reason for doing so. However, I think that 
there is a large part of those people that wanted to be seen and wanted to be heard in a movie. They were like, these are the forgotten Americans that Hollywood does not show enough, or this is our representation. It was a cry for representation for a population that they feel is underrepresented, underrepresented, not underrepresented. That's a fake word. Um, and I could talk about the things in this movie that were bad, like, the pacing is just atrocious, like slower than a snail. It's like a less than two hour movie that I thought felt like two and a half hours long. Um, there's a bunch of scenes that just are in the movie that you feel like just are there and they don't drive a plot forward. You don't see how the characters are particular or how the main character, particularly JD is affected by the events around him because he's a pretty well-adjusted adult not saying all your characters have to be damaged, but you would like to see some sort of reaction to everything that happened in his past that they're showing me. So I know why I'm watching this other than just to get to make me feel bad for him. That's the part I don't understand. And I talked about this more in the uh, original cut of this episode, which again, I wasn't very happy with in the end. Why was that? It was a boring movie and I thought it made for a boring episode. And I was, I was very close to scrapping this entire one because I have a few other ideas and I have another one that I know I'm definitely going to make and about two or three other ones I'm thinking of making of cinephiles. Um, and I was thinking I was just going to shelve this one and move on. However, then the Capitol, the attack on the Capitol happened. And I'm not saying that my first reaction to that was, ooh, good, I'm going to go record this episode. Clearly it was not because it was about uh, it's almost a month after now, and I didn't record this yet. But I thought about conservative media, and I thought about its place post in the post-election cycle and the new cycle after. And I thought about the fact that it was just professional gaslighting. And it was just one of the craziest misinformation campaigns I've ever seen. And it's one that everyone that wanted to buy into it, bought into. And one that the other section of the population found so ridiculous that we were like, this is objectively false. What's wrong with you? Um, and it's amazing how we got here. Like Fox News has completely radicalized an audience and that, that radicalized audience has now left Fox News for being quote unquote too liberal, which that, that's, that's a statement. That's insane. Um, but the reason I'm mentioning all this stuff is just the narratives were put in place from election night. Donald Trump went up, went up on the podium and he said, stop the count. This election is being stolen in real time. Why? Because he had people around him telling him he was about to lose this election based on the absentee votes. Uh, and he had lawyers on his team that said, hey, we think we can stop this result from happening. There are people who walked into this movie saying, this is a movie that the liberals don't want me to see, therefore I'm going to like it. And then they went ahead and liked it. And that's fine. If you want, if that's how you view art, if you get that emotionally attached and politically attached before you enter it, that's fine. It's hard to view things without a bias anyway. That's, you try to be as objective as possible when you're talking about art and when you talk about film, but it is very difficult to. I know a friend of mine that uh, 
two of his favorite movies are Marley and Me and We Bought a Zoo. These are movies that many audiences might... Well, it's... Okay, I'll say this more towards We Bought a Zoo. Uh, Marley and Me, I know a lot of people like. Uh, We Bought a Zoo is a movie that I think plenty of audiences found relatively unspectacular. However, my friend is a vet in training. So, what does that say? Uh, Well, it's a movie about zoo, and he likes animals a lot. It's a movie about by like making your own zoo. I never saw the movie actually. I don't exactly know what it's about, but I can make the connection between zoology and his field. So I understand. There's an emotional bond, and there's something that he loves in that movie. Um, similar, similarly, there is a bond between the audience and Hillbilly Elegy before they even watch Hillbilly Elegy. They see themselves in these characters, and they see themselves in this movie. They see themselves in the environment, in the Appalachian. And because of that, they they put on the blinders and they will forgive the sins of the movie to justify its existence and to justify why they like it so much. Um, and this goes back to, like I was saying, with the election fraud narrative. These were people that, enter, that entered or that left election night believing that the election was already being stolen in front of them. They went to the outside of the voting uh, buildings and they were banging on them, trying to get in. They were trying to intimidate the poll watchers, trying to intimidate the vote counters. But without evidence at that point that anything bad was going on, they had been gaslighted into believing by their president that the election was being stolen in front of them. And this really is part of that us versus them mindset that's evolved in media. And it's very much a, it's a product of the media. It's a product of Donald Trump. It's a product of just politics in general becoming more and more uh, divided and toxic over the years. Um, I don't want to put all on the existence of Donald Trump because he's a symptom of it, but he's not the actual problem. And similar with what I say about Hillbilly Elegy's audience response, it's a symptom of the problem. Hillbilly Elegy's audience response is not an incredibly important issue in the political landscape of today. It is simply not. It is a silly movie that is on Netflix, if that could tell you the quality. (laughs) We know Netflix is not exactly known for having the best movies in the world all the time. That's fine. However... You buy into this narrative that's us versus them. And there are things like, like I said, with the voter fraud and then this movie that contribute towards it. You start to believe, you 100% believe that that side is out to get your side. And this all was building up over the past four years. You'd hear about different random stories and events that would happen in the news about, you know, Trump supporter attacks this person, this person attacks Trump supporter, uh, left, quote unquote, leftist mobs ruining the cities and uh, destroying small businesses and Trump uh, voters uh, calling people racist things online and in person. And this was all boiling up and it eventually fueled itself into such a, a such a place where it became such us versus them where fact didn't matter anymore as long as it confirmed your side. That's what happened when 
these people bought into this election fraud narrative, despite the main, again, it's because it's the mainstream media telling me that it's false. No, it's Fox News, too. <laughs> Fox News is telling you that this is wrong. And that should tell you something right there. Uh, if even Fox News is telling you that it's not real. And it all eventually led to this attack on the Capitol, which was one of the darkest days in this nation of my lifetime. And again, I'm not saying that Hillbilly Elegy directly contributed to the attack of this, but this is one of the symptoms. People, people view media and they view the news that they get through this lens of an us versus them. They view Hillbilly Elegy as a, through a lens of us versus them. The liberals don't want me to like this movie. I'm going to like this movie, just like how they don't want me to like Donald Trump, just how they like Joe Biden. And that is what leads, in my opinion, after watching this and reflecting on it a month, a total month later, what leads me to this opinion is that, yes, this the opinions of the audiences are completely politically driven, knowingly or unknowingly. Um, and it's there's people that are going to grift about it too and they're going to use this outrage that's caused by this movie getting panned and they will try and make news stories and clicks and profit off it as well and feed into the narrative and narratives don't have to be facts that's what we've learned and narratives that aren't based on facts might be the most dangerous ones of all i'm not saying hillbilly elegy is dangerous if you like hillbilly elegy that's great good for you but I just find it to be a symptom of what has occurred over the past few months. Anyway, so that is the end of this episode. Uh, like I said in the first episode, I'd like to give you guys uh, music recommend recommendations uh, every single episode. I forgot to give you one in the last episode with uh, Jason and Bassan. So I'm going to give you two this week. Uh, the first one is XS, and that's just the letter X as in xylophone and S as in sister by Rina Sawayama. That's a very fun song that I think you guys would very much enjoy. Then the second one is a lot more on the quiet lo-fi side, or indie side more, with a quiet type by Air Park featuring Valley Queen. Uh, it's a collaboration between two artists. I believe they're both from Nashville, actually. And uh, they're, the vocals complement each other really nice, and it's a very good quarantine type of song, in my opinion. Anyway, I appreciate you all listening to this. Uh, the This will be coming out, I think, early uh, February, probably. Uh, Vasanth will edit these together, and we'll get this going. Uh, in case any of you guys are wondering, uh, Vasanth will be back eventually on the podcast. I'm going to do an episode for next week uh, with, a, with a friend of mine subbing as the co-host. And we will get back on rotation to doing those. And Cinephile episodes, I will tr I'm will. i going to try and pick up the pace on doing. I Like I said, I have a few ideas and one that I know I'm definitely doing. So stay tuned. Thank you all for listening. Stay creamy. Appreciate all of you. Love you.